0: Be looking at uh, the Sermon on the Mount, as I've been sharing through uh, on Sunday mornings, really excited to do this. Um, it's a passage of Scripture that's kind of—it's not—it's like a favorite of pastors to preach. It's a—if you go online, you have and look up books on the Sermon on the Mount. You're not going be, be to be—you're going to be hard pressed to. You know, um, not find like a million of them out there. Everybody's taught it and everybody has researched it and, and dug deep and mined the wells of this um, passage, and rightly so, because it's one of, um, at least from Matthew, one of the complete teachings that has, he's compiled together of, of what Jesus has taught in his earthly ministry. And um, Man, I think any one of us could benefit greatly from continued meditation on everything that Jesus says in here. And so uh, the odds are we're not going to hear anything surprising, you know, as I teach and as we go through this. But really, um, my heart, as we go through these, these teachings of Jesus, this grand teaching of Jesus, is that we'll see... Um, see something begin to change in us that as a body of believers, as as individual Christians, that we're going to hear our Lord teach and we're going to latch on to every word and we're going to ingest it and let it become part of us. And that's kind of the picture that we get as we look at this and as we see Uh, Jesus' beginning of his ministry. So I want to start off by looking at Matthew chapter 4. We're going to be looking at Matthew's account of the Sermon on the Mount. It's the most expansive. And um, Matthew 4 starts off with Jesus being tempted and drawn away into the wilderness. Or led away by the Spirit into the wilderness, rather. And uh, tempted by the devil. And he passes the, the temptation um, by the devil. He, he rebukes the devil by uh, reciting scripture back to him, even, even when the devil was twisting the scriptures. But we see our Savior is victorious over temptation, he is sinless. But starting in verse 12, we see Jesus begin his ministry. It was after that time of, of testing and baptism that he begins this ministry. And so look at verse 12 with me in chapter 4. It says, Now when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to fill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet, the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. And those who were sitting in the land in the shadow of death, upon them a light has dawned. And from that time on, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And um, Matthew records two great um, sections of Jesus's teaching ministry, the Sermon on the Mount one, and then one later on uh, involving the the last days as well. But he summarizes Jesus's message uh, for us, and it was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And there was this calling out. It was a, a, a preaching in the To preach is to um, exhort whoever your listener is to some sort of response. So preachers preach because they are expecting to bring people to a point of decision. And the decision here is to turn away from your ways and do what is right and follow the way of God. And so at this point, you know, Jesus hasn't gone to the cross, but he is... God in the flesh, ushering in the kingdom of heaven. And he's going to begin taking on followers, disciples, as we see in our next set of verses. This is now in verse 18, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and, his, and John, his brother. In the boat was Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. And so, Matthew, at this point of Jesus' ministry and how he is displaying his gospel to uh to us the reader is pointing out that Jesus had called two disciples or four disciples at this point in this kind of context of of ministry now what we want to notice here is that Matthew or what we want to keep in mind the point of Matthew is to draw uh, our attention to making a decision about whether Jesus is the Messiah or not. He's going to be working with a lot of scripture, like in verse 16, where he's quoting from Isaiah. He's going to be pulling scriptures from the Old Testament, drawing those to the uh, mind of the Jewish hearer or listener so that they will start making these connections that Jesus is the anointed one of God. Now, our word Messiah, or what our Bibles will write, um, often in a translation from the Greek, is the Christ. They're both, Christ is a translation of the word Messiah into the Greek, and the Messiah, it means the Lord's anointed. And we see the Lord's uh, anointing people throughout history, and we see him anointing uh, kings, right? We've had uh, Saul and And David were anointed as kings. We've seen priests anointed, those that do the ministry uh, at the temple. And so, but Israel has been looking for their anointed king that, that would come through the line of David. And Jesus begins to do this ministry. And he has a message to repent for the kingdom is at hand. So he's making a statement about himself as, as a Messiah. And he's going around and he's he's teaching with authority, as we'll see. Now he gathers some followers. And he has disciples who were so compelled by Jesus and his character that it says that in verse 20 and in verse 22 of both Peter and Andrew and James and John is that they immediately left. These men dropped everything to go follow Jesus. They left their livelihood. Even John and James leaving their father behind would have social and communal implications that would have made them look like real losers, like they were they were um, uh, ditching their parents to go follow this guy. Ditching their responsibility to take care of their family. And um, they would have come with a backlash. But they had seen Jesus doing ministry and hearing his word. And they accepted it. And they left all and immediately followed him. So this was the type of disciple that, that had, was drawn to Jesus. Someone who had given up everything to be with him even potential social uh, implications as well. Now, we get a a little bit fuller picture of Jesus' ministry, uh, starting in verse 23. It says, Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. The news about him spread throughout all Syria and they brought to him all who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis in Jerusalem, in Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. And so we get a fuller picture here. You can imagine with me what that would be like. We have a, a, a picture of Jesus going to where the people were already congregating in the synagogues. These commun- uh, community spaces where um, all different things would happen there. But synagogue, you'd go there and they would have somebody... A scribe would, or somebody would read from the scriptures, uh, one of the leaders in the community, and they would have those readings. And Jesus went there, and he, he taught. And he's explaining scripture in these areas. And it also says that he's proclaiming or preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And we already see what he was preaching. Um, Matthew told us earlier, it was, Repentance for the kingdom of God is at hand, and He's uh, doing this to incite a conversion in His listeners. Jesus is looking for change. He's going around. He's teaching and He's proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. the The fact, the gospel of the kingdom. He's speaking of of God's ministry, or I'm sorry. He's speaking of the, that God is with us and that the kingdom has come. We also see Jesus using the terms kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God in other, uh, in other gospels. And even kingdom of heaven, uh, Jesus will be using over and over again through our study of the Sermon on the Mount. But the idea is that the kingdom has come there's been an inauguration a beginning of this kingdom this heavenly kingdom and what's interesting is that it is demonstrated by God's power through healing as well so there wasn't just teaching there wasn't just preaching but there was actual physical ministry that was happening and so think think with me like what that looked like this they're bringing every kind of sickness among people. Walk walk yourself through the crowds of people. You could hear moaning, possibly, of people hurting or suffering from pain. You could have maybe a stench of somebody who's been, uh, who's sores or, or festering. You could have uh, people that are hobbling around the clanking of a, of a crutch on the ground. Or the dragging of a lame foot. Or groups of people carrying another person along to go see Jesus. And we have this, this scene of really a quite pathetic group of people, right? They're in a really bad state. And in Jesus, not only is he meeting where the teaching is going on and he's proclaiming, but he's getting down and dirty. And he is in where the need is and where the people are. And we see just a wonderful balance of ministry that Jesus exemplifies for us. That we can't just have a ministry that just teaches this, but it has to be undergirded with uh, getting out and helping as well. Too many Christians will side either one or the other. Some people want to do all the social, but none of the preaching. And then others want to do all the preaching, but they won't lift a finger to help anybody. And so we have to think, like, this is the example that Jesus is setting for us. And we want to have that become part of us as well. And part of our church culture as well. But because of these miraculous events, the news uh, about him was spreading. And it was going throughout all these different regions Matthew specifies Syria where we know Josephus tells us that there was a, uh, a large concentration of Jews in that area. And, but they were bringing all these people to him, epileptics, paralytics. And, and it says he healed them. You know, it, it says that these large crowds, they followed him from Galilee in the Decapolis. The Decapolis is just literally means the 10 cities. It's a, a Gentile region that had another, was another area with a large uh, Jewish population. And Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. And so we have this whole area that the word is traveling. So this ministry that Jesus was doing was continuing on. And and the crowds were starting to, to grow. And they were following him wherever he went on his itinerant ministry. And that is the backstory story in the setting to what we're moving into today. And we're only going to cover really the first two verses of, our, of chapter 5 tonight. Uh, but I believe it's to set us up for the continuing study of the, of the Sermon on the Mount. It says in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, You know, in the original text, there wasn't these chapter and verse breaks. You know, Matthew would have had his whole gospel written out and it would have been expected to just sit and read through it and then respond to the reading. So it says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Now, this is where really the heart of of the message tonight is coming from. Even I gave this title. I was working through titles. I don't know why I was trying to think of a title, but I just thought of a title, you know. And the title that I came up with was Coming to Jesus. And our posture as disciples. Disciples. It says that when Jesus saw the crowd, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Jesus, having been ministering to the crowds, he kind of draws away from them a little bit. Kind of maybe there was a, a pause in the ministry, or he had healed all who had come to him right at that moment, and then he, he goes up onto this mountain. And he sits down, possibly tired from the ministry, but more likely, his disciples knew that he was sitting down because he was going to give instruction, because that was uh, the place of instruction. You know, unlike our setup where we typically have someone standing and everyone else is sitting, and it, it was the vice versa. The teacher would sit down, and, and the and the disciples or the the of uh, the rabbi would gather around to listen to his exhortation, his teaching. But it says that they came to him. Jesus knew that he was going to need disciples that were ready to minister to the people all around as he was. And they needed to know more about the kingdom. They needed to know more about this new uh, relationship, this discipleship with Jesus that they had just entered into. And Jesus, you know, opens his mouth and he begins to teach them. And we want to know that as we go through this whole section of the Sermon on the Mount, is that this teaching is to the disciples. But as we look later on, we'll see that the crowds were also hearing this. Their crowds were present. And what ends up happening is Jesus's words are going to his followers, but there are people that are on the outskirts that are hearing this taught that are going to be forced to make a decision of who Jesus is. Wow, this this kingdom that he's speaking of sounds really cool or that sounds way too hard. Like I have to be loving to my enemy. What the heck? This guy's out of his mind. I can't do that. But we have this this picture where Jesus is teaching specifically to his disciples. And this is the first of the two large blocks that I said earlier, recorded by Matthew. But his message was clear from the beginning. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, Jesus is going to be telling us his disciples, those reading, those listening, what that repentant life looks like. What does it look like in the life of a disciple? And so Matthew chapter 5 through 7 describes the characteristics of a disciple, one who has responded to Jesus' call to repentance. The thing about teaching and listening to it is, one, you have to be listening, right? You have to be present. You have to be active in listening. We do many different tricks with kids to get their attention to make sure that they're listening. You know, you know stick your hand up in the air. Look at me. Eyes up here. You know, you're trying to gather that attention so that people, so the kids will listen. But as we get older, people don't hold us accountable so much in that way. Maybe a good orator would have some device that would continue to, you know, you know, some people clap in the middle of their and it just wakes everybody up, you know. I won't do that tonight, but maybe, but not tonight. But you have to be listening, you have to be present. But also you have to do. You have to respond. There has to be action in response to what you just heard. And I believe if we look at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus expresses this same sentiment. Why don't you look at chapter 7, verse 24 through 29 with me. It's a passage we're pretty familiar with and may have heard it applied in different ways. But it says, this is Jesus' teaching. This is how Matthew decides to end his um, composition of Jesus' teachings. And, you know, Matthew's heard Jesus teach these things numerous times. If you look through the rest of Matthew, you'll hear him, you know, some of these elements of the Sermon on the Mount will echo in other teachings. So we know that's not just one full teaching potentially, but you know, even parts of what Jesus continued to say over and over. But Matthew ends the teaching here. It says in verse 30, or 24, sorry. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against the house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. In verse 26, we hear the opposite. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house. And it fell, and great was its fall. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. So these are, this is how Jesus ends his teaching. That there is to be an attention given to what he has just said, and there's to be an applying of it to our lives. Now, Keep in mind, he's teaching disciples, those who have already repented and began following him. Whose sins, his his, um, blood would cleanse and forgive. These are people that have left all, forsaken him to follow him. And so he's saying, these are his words Look at what he said. Everyone who hears these words of mine. He's not saying even what was being taught by the rabbis, per se, or even the, even the Torah. If you, don't hear, if you hear the words of the Torah and you live by the words of the Torah. No, he's saying the words of mine. And acts on them. So the posture of a student, those that are coming to Jesus, is one that Does. What Jesus is teaching. Now, will we be perfect in all of these things? Absolutely not. Jesus was the only one that was perfect. And that's why he could say later in the Sermon on the Mount that he came to fulfill the law. There was no man that was able to fulfill the law at all, ever. But we have Jesus who fulfills the law. And the posture of a student, though, is to learn from their teacher. And he compares them to a wise man. You see the imagery of a. It says a wise man who built his house on the rock. That. Imagery of the rock. Was used in the Hebrew scriptures to signify. The security Israel had in God. If they obeyed him. And you could find that in. Uh, Psalm 34, uh, 32, 4, 18, th- or, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 32, 4, 18, 31. Psalms 18, 2, 3, and 46. And Isaiah, specifically Isaiah talking about even what the floodwaters, Isaiah 28, 14 through 19. And so we see that God is, is this image of a, uh, we see God uses the image of this rock used for God, a sure foundation founded that could withstand, you know, potentially any test sent its way, or potentially what is being spoken of here is we'll be able to stand in that last day of judgment at the Lord's day. It's the one who holds to Jesus' words and acts on them will be able to stand with such strength and surety no matter what happens, no matter what trial is going on. But in that day when Jesus returns and see him face to face, we we will be on solid ground. Our whole world won't be taken out from under us. But these are Jesus's words, not some other book, not some other man. These are his words. Uh, Oswald Chambers had a, a quote about the Sermon on the Mount. It says, In the training of art students, the master does not merely tell them what is wrong in a design. He puts the right design beside the wrong and lets them judge for themselves. And that is exactly what Jesus Christ did in the Sermon on the Mount. He's he's teaching and showing the ways that uh, the disciples are to to begin um, making parts of their lives in, in in. Uh, getting rid of and continuing on in that repentance of the old lifestyle. And so, what is our posture before Jesus? Are we part of the curious crowd? Do we graze through his word here and there? Maybe looking for something positive to get us through the week or the day? Or are we one of the listening disciples who realizes their only hope is in Jesus and has given all to follow him, left all to follow him, and are sitting at his feet? As I was thinking about this earlier, you know, there's that whole scene where you have um, Martha and Mary in the house, and one of them is sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to him teach. And the other one gets so frustrated with the other one and goes, she's not doing anything. And he goes, no, she's chose the better part. She's listening, taking in, contemplating, chewing on, thinking about, what does this apply to, how does this apply to me? What does this mean for my relationship with that person or that person? Or with this group? Or... How am I working among the other disciples to, to bless them? That's what we want to go away with tonight. What I want to encourage us in our walk through this, this time in the Sermon on the Mount is to, I want to be a listening disciple. I know that the Lord wants to work within me through these passages. I know that as the week has gone on and and, the weeks now, but the time studying this, I'm being reminded of his words because I'm I'm taking time and and thinking through them and and meditating upon them. The Lord's bringing them back to mind, you know, And, and it's it's becoming something that that the Lord is using to shape me to be more like him. What we do with what we hear determines how we hold up to the trials of life. We will either build a life based on his teaching and weather the storm, or we will build a life on our own wisdom. See, the person who listens to Jesus' word is the one that was considered wise. The one who doesn't, his, who builds his house in his own wisdom. Oh, this looks like a great piece of land, the sand over here builds up a house they're the ones that will have everything they've worked hard on collapse around them and leave us wanting in the day of the lord or in judgment James and we'll close on this verse James chapter 1 verses 22 through 25 if you want to turn there says but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror for once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. Have you ever done that like literally i re- there's times I get to work and i i I'll, I'll go I didn't like do my hair at all, I didn't even look in the mirror or, or you know I'm like. You look crazy right now. But you forget what kind of person you he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. And that's what Jesus will go on to call those that are listening to his teaching And are living according to his kingdom ethic. He starts in verse 3. Blessed. Blessed. And we'll dig further into that next week. But we will look at some of the topics that we'll be covering. Are the characteristics of a disciple. The role of a disciple. Jesus' new commands to his disciples. Jesus' Words on giving and praying and fasting. His words on wealth and even what to do with our needs. So Jesus will cover many things that will shape what his people look like. How they sound, what they do, and his teaching that we'll be going through over the next 13 weeks or so. So what is our posture before Jesus? I want to encourage you guys if if once a week, sit down and just read the whole sermon. And I promise you, the Lord, when we get together, the Lord is just going to be doing. He's going to be speaking. He's going to be moving throughout the week. He's going to be bringing to things that are going to minister to you, that will minister to me as we talk about what God is been showing you through his word it's not you know the biggest thing you got to battle against is distractions it's not hard to sit and read through but man i tell you what just even in my prepping it's like the enemy does not want me to study or there's things firing off this left right over there and it's just he wants to keep us from hearing jesus's teaching he wants to keep us from doing this and so i encourage you once a week Sit down, grab a cup of coffee. I love coffee, grab some coffee or tea if you like tea. Grab some tea, sit down, and read it. Lock yourself in your closet if you at the bathroom that works too sometimes. I know mothers can probably relate to that. Lock yourself in the bathroom and just read and let the lord do let his words dwell in you, like i said i 'm not expecting to try to bring anything new, but I want to read. Hearse these words together as a church and see what God will do in our midst. So let's pray and we'll close in a song of worship. Father, I thank you for this evening, Lord, and for gathering us here. I pray, Lord, that you would just... Lord, we just thank you for your words, first off. Lord, you're so good. Lord, and, and you took the time to... To sit, or to open these things up to your disciples. Lord, to teach them, Lord, what, what leads to really a blessed life despite our physical or our social or our circumstances that are all around us. And that is union with you and, and relationship with you. Lord and, and you will call us, Lord, to to be lights in this world and to minister to uh, enemies. Lord, how how anti-world is that? Lord, we, we seek vengeance and we we have to get the upper hand in those things. Lord, your your message is so countercultural, Lord, that. The hope is, is that people will see these good works and glorify you. Lord, you would send out these disciples into the world. Among the crowd that they are. Um, that's forming around them. Lord, to, to preach your word. To be witnesses. Lord, and you've called us to the same ministry. Lord, make us more like Jesus. Let us have understanding of your word, Lord, as we read it, as we study it. And may you be glorified until you set up your kingdom in full, Lord. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name.